name. So we're going to start a new series this morning. It's called Woven. It's about the book of Ruth and the story of Ruth found in the Old Testament. And Ruth is one of the most, actually, best written, beautiful works of art. There's a lot to it. Actually, I need you guys to stay right there. Stay right there. I'm, I'm serious. Okay, I'm serious. No, I need you on that, that team over there. When understanding the book of Ruth, there are so many layers to it. There's so much going on in the background that if you don't know what's going on, it'll be lost on you. Um, but here's why it's important to dive into those layers and to understand them a little bit more is because there's something about the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, that, that you'll, you'll feel it. By the end of today, you'll feel this. Okay, You'll feel this feeling. You'll be like, I want that. There, there's something about her story that's so inspiring and impactful that that's worth wading into to understand so that we can maybe get some of that for ourselves. Does that make sense? So, so to start, I want to start with an exercise. This is why I can't move. You guys are part of the red team. You guys in this section, and the line is right here. This is your territory and everything to the left. You guys in the middle are part of the, the blue team, no, yellow team, yellow team, and you guys are part of the blue team. Okay, so what, what team are you on? You're red. What team are you on? Yellow, and you are on the team blue. Thank you. Here's, here's, why, uh, here's what we're talking about. In the nation of Israel, so God took the, the um, Israelites out of Egypt, and he led them to the promised land. And as he was leading to them to the promised land, he was grooming them. He's like, I'm going to do something completely different through you guys. Like, like, like the world, I want to shine, uh, I want to shine through you to the world. I want to do something so different. He gave them basically a constitution. You know, obviously, we know about like the Ten Commandments. But on top of that were hundreds and hundreds of laws that he wrote and had them live by. And these laws were like very, very different than the nations that surrounded them. They were like groundbreaking laws. I mean, which kind of makes sense. If God is going to intervene like this, like we believe he did in this book, the laws that he intervenes should be helpful for life. He's the author of life. It should be helpful for life, right? One of the things, and I can't talk about all these different laws because there's not enough time, but I do want to talk about this, and we have to understand kind of the, the idea of the laws around land in the time of Ruth. Yeah, it's, you'll understand why we're talking about that here in a second. But in order to understand that, breaking, broken you up into three groups, your team red, red your team yellow, just so you yellow. know, okay? And your team blue, so blue. And, and um, basically, if, if we had enough space and enough people, I'd, I'd break us up into 12 of them. Oh, she's switching teams over here. Okay, now it's, oh, you're making it even, I see, thank you. Um, actually, hold on to that. Switching teams is not cool. We'll talk about that in a second. So uh, they, God had them um, divided into the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and, and for the sake of argument, you guys are one tribe. Okay, So you're the red tribe, right? And you're the yellow tribe. You're the blue tribe. In your tribe, this is basically the reason that God had them do this is when they got into the promised land, he said, these are your tribes. And then within the tribes would be like clans, and there would be families, and there would be further breakdowns within that. And it's a way to organize. It's a way to govern and keep, you know, keep the thing, uh, keep uh, the, the nation working and moving, right? 
But part of that is, say for instance, we're going back to land. So, so it, they, they actually also divide, not only divided them into the, to the tribes, but each tribe had a, a different territory within the nation. So they had their own land, their own their own territory, their own boundaries of like, this is Manassas, this is Judah's, this is Naphtali's, this is Simeon's, They're like the different 12 tribes. They each had 12 different parts of the country. So imagine, imagine like, it's kind of like us with the United States, but they had only had 12 of them. So the nation of Israel had 12 states or 12 tribes that controlled the land. And the reason that God did this was it, it was a form of way of protection to make sure that nobody fell through the cracks socially. For instance, okay, so you guys, this is your land, this this area, this is your land, your team red, you guys are, this is your property. You're a family, you're a family, and you're a family. And you might be related to each other, you might not, you know, like you might be distantly related, you might be closely related between your tribes, your clans, and that, and your families and stuff like that. Um, who wants to, all right, you guys, I'm gonna do this with you guys. Do you wanna be dumb or do you wanna be unfortunate? Dumb. Dumb, okay, we'll go with dumb. By the way, it doesn't matter which one you choose, like, basically. So, so what happened is the Jacksons were dumb. They decided they wanted to be dumb, which is a really good way to be dumb. You, so they're dumb and they squander their money, do, you know, plant the wrong thing with their land, and they, they, they fall on hard times. Sorry guys, it's, it's terrible. But here's the beautiful thing. You guys fall on hard times. You still have your tribe that's going to take care of you. Now, you might lose your land in the process. Like, you might have to sell your land, okay? But the beautiful thing is, and this is, I, I was studying this this week, and I was, I was just blown away by God's goodness through this system. And I was like, man, I, honestly, I think we have a pretty good system here in the United States. I, I believe in, in our country. But this is better. This is like, like the, the way that he had it set up was every 50 years. So, so you guys said the Jacksons fell on hard times because they're dumb stupidity. They had to sell their land. But the thing is, is let's say Jovi is the next relative. She would want that you would go to her for her to buy your land. It wouldn't be a distant relative. And it wouldn't be Brad over here from the, the tribe of yellow buying your land because that's not part of his tribe. It would stay within the tribe. And then eventually, within every 50 years, they were to have this thing called the year of Jubilee. And I promise, guys, this will, this, uh, if you're not interested right now, some of you are really interested, and some of you are like, this sounds a lot like school. Just hang with me. It's really, this is really cool. The year of Jubilee was supposed to happen every 50 years. And every 50 years of the year of Jubilee, anybody who lost their land, the families that lost their land, got it back. So when Jovi took over your land because of your stupidity, she was not buying your land permanently. She was buying however many years between then and the, and the year of Jubilee and giving you money for that. It could be one year, it could be 49 years, and then you would get it back, you know, your, or your descendants would get it back, and that way, Israel would stay intact. The tribes would stay intact. And in, in a way, nobody would fall on hard times and there wouldn't be this generational poverty because your great-grandfather made a, a mistake. Isn't that kind of cool? Isn't that kind of beautiful? Like I was reading all about this this week and it's like that, that, that system is, is actually kind of cool. So that's the system, that's the world that we enter into with Ruth. Now, uh, here's what's interesting. Well, I'm not going to go into that. 
land was basically the point is land was never supposed to be permanently sold. Um, it was it was a way a system that everybody would have what they needed to thrive. If you were doing well, you could actually buy more land or you could expand elsewhere. But eventually, somebody if you lost your land, your family lost your land, you would get it back in time. Okay, so you guys are that's your teams. Your team red, your team yellow, your team blue. Uh, question. Yeah, go for it. So Joby buys that land. Yep. Yeah, so, so she can still profit off of that land as she works that land, but she can't, if at any time they can come back and buy it, that's a good question, they can rebuy it from her, she gives it to them with no interest. She gives it back to them the price that she paid for it. Can she have it for example? Yes, and she has to give it back. Because the idea is like, we're in this together. It's one for one, and one for all, and all for one. I don't know if they like evacuated it, but it's hers to work. And then they use the money from the, the sale to try to make ends meet. Um, and and, and the, there's all sorts of, you should read Leviticus 25 is this whole chapter. It's actually pretty interesting now in light of what we're talking about. Because it gives all sorts of options. Like if they're able to work their way back, they can, you know, they can, get, um, they can buy it back at any time. Any other questions on that? Okay, so that's the world that we're entering into. That's the system that's supposed to be in place. And that is, in a lot of ways, in place in the book of Ruth. So now turn to the book of Ruth in your Bibles. And it, we're not going to have the words on the screen. They're so We're going to read most of chapter 1 of the book of Ruth this morning. So I want to make sure you have a Bible. Everybody should have a Bible. There's enough around you. When you get, uh, what page is it on? 263 in the Bible, in the, in the uh, church Bibles. So let's just start reading. Ruth 1, 1. In the days when the judges ruled, I'll explain that in a, sec in a, in a, in a second, there was a famine in the land. The land meaning this is talking about Israel right now. So man from Bethlehem in Judah, which is a tribe, okay, so that they, they, were just, they just kind of told, the, hey, this man lived in the tribe of Judah. So if you were an Israelite, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's up there, or that's down here, you know, from where I live. A man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in a country of Moab. Okay, just pause right there. Think of our tribal system that we just explained. The one for all, all for one, we got each other's backs. Doesn't this have a lot more impact now that you understand what I just explained? They left. You don't leave. That's why, you know, Joby, you don't switch sides like I was talking about. You don't even, you don't even switch tribes. There could be intermarriage between the tribes. But, but you don't just go and like buy land if you can't buy land in another tribe. This is your land. This is your territory. These are your people. This is your clan. This is your family. Let's read this again. In the days that the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, left and went to the country of Moab. 
when the going got tough, they left. That's a really important, we can't, hey guys, there's just really no way, even, under, even with what I just explained to you, there's no way to really unpack how big of a deal this is. They left, in a time of need, they left their people. The only thing I could think of is like, if, if you're on one team and you just join another, you, like you join your rival team. That'd be like moving to Moab. It, or, or even but maybe closer would be, you're fighting a war and, and all of a sudden your comrade next to you go and they're fighting against you. Because that the Moab, the Moab, the Moabites were not, they were kind of friendly with the Moabites, but they were also, there was some past history the Moabites didn't, hadn't taken care of Israel in the past. And so they go, it, it gets worse. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. That's, so that's the mother and the father. The names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. So this is their family, this is the tribe, their clan, all of that. And they went to Moab and lived there. Verse 3, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, which is a big no-no. Like at this time, God was trying to do something very specific through Israel. He's like, I'm raising a blessing through you. And, and actually, foreigners will come into you. Like he talks about how foreigners might come, become part of your society and in a sense convert to you, to what you're doing. You're, you, your kings, you are not to go marry outside of Israel. That's a no-no. They married Moabite women. One was named Orpah, not Oprah, different. And the other, Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her sons, and her husband. Now, at this point, we have to, in a sense, unpack a little bit more of Ruth and the Israel's Israelites' worldview at this time. It, it wasn't a correct sentiment, but it was a general worldview, and we have a slide for this, right, that goes like this. If something is bad, and I'll go back to the other one, there's a general belief at this time, if bad things happen to you, it's probably because you did bad things. And to be honest, we kind of still have this, don't we? Like when you see someone falling on hard times financially or going through a divorce or even like maybe some physical ailments of some kinds, you're like, yeah, but yeah, maybe that's just unfortunate, but maybe you did something bad. Maybe you did something wrong. This was very alive in the ancient world. If, if you had done, if something bad happened to you, it's because you angered the gods. If you've done something bad, it's because, or if, if, if bad things happen to you, it's because you probably did something bad, which is, I mean, we all know that is actually kind of not true. Because we know all know good people that have had bad things happen to them. But backing up a little second, the reason they believe that as, you just kind of this general held belief, and Jesus encounters this, um, a thousand years later after Ruth of like, hey, which, which guy, you know, they, they saw a blind guy or I think he was blind. And they're like, who sinned, this man or his dad or his parents? And the, the dude's like, guys, I'm right here. 
you know? But they're having a conversation about this. This is a general held belief that if bad things happen to you, you must have done something bad. And there, there's, there's actually a biblical reason for it, too. Like, they've got verses like this in, in the Psalms. One thing God has spoken, this is Psalm 62, one thing that God has spoken, two things I have heard, power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you, you reward everyone according to what you've done, what they've done. Interesting, right? So there it is, right there in the Psalms. God rewards people based on what they've done. Okay? Here's another one. Uh, Psalm 31. Love the Lord your God. All his faithful people. Remember the key word, faithful. Stay faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. So let's go back to Naomi. Her family, her and her, and her, her husband and two sons, they leave their tribe. They ditch them. They leave them. They go to Moab. And what happens when they get to Moab? I mean, it's over the course of 10 years, but still, it, in the verses, you know, in the, in the passage, it's like boom, boom, boom. Elimelech dies. The father dies. Her son, two sons marry Moabite, Moabite women, and they both die. It's kind of a little bit, yeah, that makes sense. I told you so. But maybe. Right? Like, like, like maybe. And even Jesus covers this in, in the New Testament. He, he says in Matthew like 25, he's like, he's like, it's the Lord who causes the sun to shine both on the wicked and the faithful and the righteous. He's like, it, it, it's not that simple, guys. But back in this day, that was a prevalent theory and kind of way of worldview of looking at the world. Was if you've done, if something bad happened to you, it's probably because you did something bad. So Hang on to that for a second. Verse 6. Ruth 1, verse 6. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing him, providing food for them. So that remember they left for a famine. The famine is now over. She and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. She decided, and can you imagine how difficult this decision was to maybe make we don't know the details but it, it could have been really like do I do that do I go back do I do the walk of shame back to Israel back to my tribe of Judah and chance whatever that is there's a chance it was a really difficult decision but there's also a chance that it, it was actually a really easy decision and here's why Naomi is a widow she has, no, she, she has no other family structure around her. And I'm, beating, and I'm really trying to drive this home because life in the ancient world, the, the, your security was mainly the people around you. She no longer has that. Not only that, she's a, now a foreigner in a country that doesn't have that same system that Israel has over there. So there might have been like a, oh, maybe should I go? It's going to be the walk of shame. Or maybe she's like, I have to get out of here now because she is so vulnerable. Basically, anywhere else in the ancient world, a widow would have been, would have been just destitute, would have just been a goner, there, unless somebody was kind and compassionate. But there was no systems in, in these tribes around. It, it, but in Israel, there was. And she knew that. She's like, she's like I'm going home. Verse 7, with her two daughters-in-law, 
she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And what's interesting is we're about to see, she's like, here, you know, come with me, girls, since you're part of my family now and you're kind of blackballed, you're marked with me as, you know, as unfortunate or unlucky or whatever. So come with me. And then she has kind of a change of heart. Check this out. Then Naomi said to her, to her daughters-in-law, you know what? Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness as, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. You've been kind to me, but you're kind of in this predicament because of me, because of my family. Why, why stick with me? May the Lord grant each of you, verse 9, May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And women, just, just so you know, this is difficult to read. These ancient passages are read because they can seem very misogynistic. But the reality is without a community and without men that are able to, to, to uh, make a harvest, make a living, like women just didn't have a chance. This is still true in lots of part of the world. This is what we talked about last week at church actually with Hope International, with Katie Rogers coming in and Carol interviewing her and talking about like a lot of the work that Hope does is enabling women and giving them the, the, around the world where they don't have opportunities. Women are, are more vulnerable just because of the, the like, I think it's a size thing and a, a strength thing more than anything. So they're, they're vulnerable. So she's like, go, I, I, may you find another husband then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud, and she said, and, and, no, no, then she kissed them and, and them goodbye, but they wept aloud, and they said, we will go back with you to your people. No, we're going to stick it out. But Naomi re said, no, return home. So you see this back and forth. My daughters, why have you come with me? Am I going to have, and she goes through this whole thing of like, am I going to have more sons? And if I have more sons, she starts doing math. Like if you're this age and you're this age, that they're never, it's never going to work. Um, look at verse, um, verse 13. Would you uh, wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried to them, uh, and for them? No, my daughters. It's, that's stupid. It's more bitter for me than for you. The bitterness is with me. Because the Lord has had, his hand has turned against me. Bad things have happened. You see, there's that worldview. Bad things have happened to me because I've done bad things. So don't feel like you need to share in that at this they wept aloud verse 14 again then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and said goodbye so Oprah goes home starts a tv show talk show wildly successful first billionaire woman okay it's a different story but I couldn't resist it's like just right there right but Ruth clung to her but Ruth clings to Naomi. And guys, what happens in this next couple verses is so beautiful and so wonderful. It's the type of story you and I long for. How many of you, just pause for a second. Think of a time in your life where you were hung out to dry. When you just felt at the end of your rope you felt like just you were done. You're, like your story was done, or people had turned your back on you. Think of a time where you just were low. This is her low. This is her. This is Naomi's low point, or it's getting. She's probably descending down into her low point as she's walking home. 
and she's descending, and these, there's these two young women that are coming with her, and she's like, that's not right. She's, and she's doing the right thing. She's like, no, you go back. And amidst that, someone says this to her. Imagine in your dark time, in your end of the rope time, how good it would be to have somebody do what Ruth's about to do. And maybe you actually did have somebody do this, but, but this, this is what we want, right? Let, let's read. Verse 15, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law, she's already gone back to her people and her gods, her way of life, that culture. Go back. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave or turn back from you. Wherever you will go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. In other words, Ruth says, I am with you. That's goosebumps right now. Isn't that what we want? We don't, we don't need life for, to, to be perfect. We know that life is full of challenges and trials, and, and that's part of life. And even as people of faith, we know that God can work through that. We, we know all these things, but is it, wouldn't it just be nice that through our darkest times to have somebody say these words to us? Don't urge me to leave or turn back from you right now. Wherever, wherever you go, whatever's about to happen to you, I will go. Where you stay, where you end up in this scenario, I will stay. I will be there with you. Your people will be my God. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever, be it ever so severely. And you know, she's using some language here. I'll talk about it in a second. If even death separates you and me. What she just did there is the formula of an oath. Everybody say the word oath. I thought about preaching the whole sermon on oaths. Because I was like blown away by, we don't do this anymore. We don't. This, this is like the sign of an ancient oath. Like, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I don't fill in the blank. And you will see that throughout the Old Testament. You see that that is an oath. And sometimes it's like, uh, may God be with me, be it ever so severely, if I don't kill you. That's one of the oaths in the Old Testament. But then there's other ones like this that are just beautiful, where it's people sticking with people. We don't talk like this in our modern world. We don't do these kind of things. We don't, it's, it's like part of the ancient world where somebody, uh, like stories where somebody would save another one's life. And then that person, in response to being saved, would be like, I am with you to the end. I am your servant. Like, you, I'm your slave. I am with you because you saved my life. We don't make oaths. We do vows in weddings. Like that, and, and we do. That's the closest thing that I could think of is about in wedding vows, and that's really important. And it's beautiful and it's good. Even think about if you if you're if you think about your faith story. If you had a moment in time where you converted or came to Christ or had a come to Jesus moment, or, or even use the, you might even use the phrase you gave your life to Christ or to God. Think about that moment. Think about if you've ever had a moment like that. Was that an oath? Because that's what it should be. 
says, Jesus, you've, you've saved me. You're, you've done something so incredible. I owe you my life. So may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I don't make good on that promise. Just the idea of oaths is really just, ah, uh, we don't, why don't we do that more? Probably because it's really scary. Probably because it, it, it means that we're, we're committed, and Ruth here is committed. So the, when Naomi, verse 18, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was disturbed because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Meaning she looks like crap. That's my take on that. Is like she, she's aged because of, she's lost a husband and two sons in the last decade plus, and she's a different woman. And it's been so long. They're like, is, wait, hold, is my, are my eyes seeing this correctly? Don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara. And this is a very um, th they do this in the Old Testament when really foundational things happen that you change your name. And what's interesting, and this is so cool, guys, that name is never mentioned again in this book. She tries to change her name to Mara because the Almighty has made my life very, what? Bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord Almighty has brought misfortune upon me because I did bad things. So bad things happened to me. But that word Mara, that name Mara, doesn't stick. Isn't that cool? Have you ever had a low moment where you're like, I don't deserve any of this? I, 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 you should call me dumb. You should call me unfortunate. You should call me bad in relationships. You should call me whatever it is. Where you thought low of yourself and you're like, I, I don't be deserve to be called something good. I, sh I should be called something different. But God's grace is there to disagree. And that's, that, without spoiling much more, that's Naomi's story. She gets to remain Naomi. And part of the reason why she gets to re uh, re remain Naomi is because of Ruth. Because of Ruth's faithfulness. And that's what, we're going to leave it there this morning. We'll pick it back up next week. And next week, you can't miss next week, especially students, youngsters in the group, it's, it's about romance. Like, Ruth's, Ruth's story is so good because, like, because we're already longing, we're already yearning for it. Like, I want that kind of friendship. I want, pe I want people around me that will stick with me like Ruth did. And then we also just want to say, hey, I want to be that person. If we're, if we're in the right place, we'll say, I also want to be that person for the people that I call my friends, my family. Right? We want that. Next week, we're going to see romance. You're like, I want that. I will see two people come together, Ruth and Boaz come together, and the love for, love for each other and their, their respect for one another is so cool, and you're going to want that. And then in the final week, two weeks from now, two weeks from this morning, we'll come together and we'll talk about uh, how their story fits into the grand story of history, and you're going to be like, I want that. I want that significance. I, I want that kind of impact. You like that? I want that worth it sticking around for but here's where I want to land and end today 
Ruth, the reason all of these things that were jealous of Ruth, it comes through a combination of two things. And this is really what Ruth's story is about. It's about the weaving, how God weaves and the interplay between God's providence and his goodness and his willingness to bless us and human decision. Humans willing to say, no, this is going to be difficult, but I'm going to do it anyway. The story is of this interplay that doesn't, it doesn't spell it out how it works. It's mysterious. But what we're going to find is Ruth embodies selfless love. She embodies devotion. She embodies conforming to the will of God. And what's interesting, remember I said at the beginning, in, in the time, it says, in the time of the judges. If you remember when I said that in the very first verse. And the significance of that is, if you ever read the books of book of Judges, it, dude, it, it, I, I remember reading it once from you know, front to back. Like sometimes I sit down and read just one book. I'll take like a few hours and just read one book. It's a really good way of doing things. I don't suggest doing that with Judges. It'll leave you feeling icky. Because in that book of Judges, it's before they had a king. It's between Moses and when they had kings. And they're trying to do what's right, but no one's really doing it. There's no signs of faithfulness within the nation of Israel. Remember that whole thing about the lands and the, the year of Jubilee and all that wonderful stuff? There is no sign with, from what we can tell. We don't think Israel ever did the year of Jubilee. In fact, if you fast forward a few hundred years after Ruth, Israel goes into exile mainly because, not necessarily directly because they didn't do the year of Jubilee, but because they hadn't been generous towards each other. And there was this great rift between the, the rich and the poor. And the rich just kept getting richer, and the poor just kept getting poorer. And God's like, enough. I told you to take care of each other. I told you to take care of your tribe. And the, fact, the very fact that they didn't do that led to God saying, you no longer are holding your end of the covenant, and so you're out. And he, he, he kicks them out and gets them, puts them into exile as a punishment. You're in timeout now. And as a direct result. So in the midst of that, in this judges period where there are no faithful in Israel, all of a sudden there's this one shining light in the name of, by, her, by the name of Ruth. And what? She's not even from Israel. She's from Moab. But she saw something in Naomi, that was so beautiful. So she's like, I want that. I want your culture. I want your God. You told me about that system that you left. I want him. So I vow to stay with you. We see Ruth embodying selfless love, devotion, and a conformity to the will of God and the way of life that God's like. She's like, I want that. And our goal for this series is to roll ourselves around in that enough to where we say, I want that as well. And roll ourselves around in it enough to realize whence it comes from. Because it doesn't just come from God just pouring out blessings on us, although that's part of it. God blesses both the wicked and the good. The sun rises on both of us. But there's also this mysterious thing that God weaves, and that's why it's called this series, it's called Woven. Is the idea that, that I want us to get to the idea of, of we're, we're doing things in our lives. We're growing in character. We're growing in love. We're growing in loyalty. We're growing in generosity. All these things we'll see Ruth embodying. And, and every time we make a decision to be generous, to be loyal, to be good, 
when somebody's bad to us, instead of bitter or apathetic or you know, narcissistic or whatever. It's like we're giving God material to work with. And we don't know what that's going to do. We, we don't know where this strand of goodness, and, and I'm going to be patient right now. I'm not going to just fly off the handle with this person. Even though everything in me want, I want to do that, I'm going to remain good. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to pull a Jesus and be like him. Every time we lay down something like that, it's just giving a little bit more material to God so that he can weave something beautiful. That's what we get to see in the story of Ruth. We don't get to see it in ours yet. Right now, we're in the middle of it. And our job is to just keep laying down more and more material. The premise of this whole thing is every time you and I respond with goodness, with, 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 with kindness, with compassion, with loyalty, with generosity, it gives God something more to work with. Have you ever done this? Have you ever prayed to God in those moments where it's a crisis? You're like, I don't know if I can do this. And you're like, God, I don't, I think this is what you're calling me to do. I think this is right, so I will do it. And I'm giving this to you. It's a good prayer. It's good, especially if it's difficult. If you're facing a really uncertain thing where you're like, I don't know, but I think this is good and I think this is right. Bring that before God and just offer it to him and be like, I offer this to you as, as a sacrifice, because it is a sacrifice for me and you. To be good right now is not easy. So I offer it to you. The goal of the series, let me put that over there, <laughs> is to give God as much material, a bunch of material to work with, as much as possible. And the way that we do that is we grow in character. We become like Ruth. And we're just going to constantly put Ruth in front of us as like a mirror, like this is what Ruth did. Can we do the same? Can you do the same in your story? Here's what we find from Ruth. And this is kind of Ruth's way of what she did in this story, in this episode in particular. In the face of uncertainty, she chose to love sacrificially. And that's our big idea and our challenge for today. Whatever uncertainty that you're facing right now, to pull a Ruth is to love sacrificially. And I really, you guys, I, you know I wrestle with this a lot. I, I wanted to put an asterisk next to sacrificially because some of us, if you're in a relationship that's abusive or difficult or manipulative, you need to seek counsel as to what to do and what actually is sacrificial and what, what was actually just being a doormat. Because God never calls us to be a doormat. Like Jesus, Jesus Christ somehow died on the cross and was never a doormat. And that's, that's really tricky to, to navigate because we can constantly lay ourselves down in not good situations and get hurt over and over again. And God is not calling you to that. So we just got to call that out. So if it's, if it's sticky, if you're not sure if you're being used, you need to talk to somebody. But in all the other situations, in the face of uncertainty, when it comes to relationships, if you want to, to have the type of relationship that Ruth and Naomi embody here in this passage, it, it all, it's pretty simple. It's just two people, whatever, a, a romance, a friendship, a working relationship, any relationship, coming to it in, in the face anytime things are uncertain, they love sacrificially. 
That's it. So in the face of uncertainty, I choose to love sacrificially. And, and here's, your, here's your application for today, if you choose to accept it. One person, just find one person in your life that needs to hear these words. I'm with you. Hold Ruth this week. Pull it today before you forget about it, because we forget about things by Monday. Do it today. Is there somebody in your life and in your circle that you need to say these words to? Hey, I know you're facing this, or I know that this has been difficult, or I know that just you're not sure about this. I want you to know I am with you. And dudes, I know this is tough. Like, like I'm speaking to the dudes right now. That, like, we don't talk this way to each other. Maybe we should, but we don't. But find, and if, if these exact words, those four words are difficult to say, find your version of them. But don't punk out. Because think about your time when you were on the end of the rope, you were in the, you were in the valley, and, and you just one person saying, I'm with you, meant the world. We can be that for somebody else. That's good material that God can use. I promise. He loves that stuff. When we pick up next week, the key question that we'll find ourselves wrestling with with Naomi and Ruth is, will they be accepted? They want back into the system. They want back into their tribe. Will they get it? Will Ruth be accepted as a Moabitess? And to what extent? It's, good. it's a good story. Stick with us through it. Last question for us. In response to the bitter things of life, what will you choose to weep? In, the, in response to the difficulties of life, what will we choose to weep? What if we pulled a Ruth? What if we, we, we did the good thing, the right thing, the kind thing, the compassionate thing, the generous thing? How might God use it? Let's pray.